Have you ever sat down and thought that you were supposed to start a podcast? Have you ever wondered how you're going to do that and how that will work? Anchor.fm is the link where this podcast is recorded. It is so helpful, so easy to do. Now, come on, people. If I can do it, y'all can do it. I'm telling you what. So (laughs) go to anchor.fm, start your podcast, and follow what God is calling you to do. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Hey guys, welcome to season eight of the Anchored by the Sword podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for another season of hearing the stories that show what God is doing in people's lives. I love being able to share this with you. I love having you guys on this journey and for you to get more acquainted with the guests that willingly come on and share their stories. We are actually going back to one time a week uh, throughout this season. You may hear once in a while, two times a week, but for the most part, we're going back to one time a week just because we're getting into the busy holiday season. We're getting into a couple busy seasons for me personally, but we're still bringing amazing content. We're still coming every Tuesday. So thanks for joining me. Enjoy this episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Anchored by the Sword podcast. I'm here today with Stephen Collis, and I am excited to hear more about his story. I just received his books the other day, and I'm really looking forward to hearing his heart behind the story and the books he's written. So thank you, Stephen, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Can you tell us more about yourself? Sure. So I'm a, I'm a writer at heart. I've always been a writer and uh, I enjoy telling stories of all kinds. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also a law professor at the University of Texas at Austin, where I specialize in First Amendment and religious liberty law. Oh, wow. So you do have a lot on your plate there. <laughs> yes. I'm also more, most important, uh, speaking of having a lot on my plate, is I'm, <laughs> I'm married and my wife and I have five children. So we, we, stay, we stay very busy. What's the um, deviation of those five kids? Uh, our oldest is 18 and getting ready to move out of the house. And our youngest is just two and a half. So Ooh. we have a, a broad range. We have yeah. children at every level of school you can imagine. <laughs> Sounds like you do. Yeah, you definitely have your hands full. So um, can you tell us about your story? Well, um, I would say my most powerful moment in life, or I would say I feel like I was, I was, freed it was i grew up in a small town in new mexico where um a lot of people don't leave um it's hard to get out mm-hmm. people do all the time but but, but a lot of people don't and i kind of had no sense whatsoever of what i could do with my life if that makes sense i mean mm-hmm. i just I, I often i had very low self-esteem i never thought i could really do much uh with my life and then um i had a moment when i was uh uh, serving as a service missionary, and I had been assigned to to Korea, which is actually where my my latest book uh, takes place in Korea. 
And I was walking along one day when, when this realization came upon me and it was very much a spiritual realization that, wow, I can do, I can do with my life anything that I want to. And it was, a, it was very much a realization that through my own faith, Mm -hmm. that could happen and for me it was just a groundbreaking moment where my mind was freed if that makes sense mm -hmm. my, my mind had shackled myself and it, and it was through that moment of faith that I realized wow I can I can do anything mm -hmm. uh, with my life that I want and for me that was a very powerful moment to to have that realization and it just changed the whole course of my life mm -hmm. so where is God taking you since you had that realization well, it, it, it changed where I went to college. I mean, it, it, it affected kind of what I studied. I, I started pursuing writing as a writer. Uh, it's not something that I had ever really considered. I knew I always had a like a, an innate talent for writing and that I could use it as like a source for good, but it wasn't something that I ever thought I was smart enough to actually pursue. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I realized right then that I could do that. I also realized that I could have, you know, I could... I could get married and have a successful family and, and be a dedicated father and husband. And it's led to that path in my life. It's led to me uh, being a writer and trying to write books that hopefully inspire and uplift people and hopefully build bridges for people and show mm -hmm. other people how they can build bridges. Mm -hmm. uh, it's led to me becoming a scholar of religious liberty law mm -hmm. and being able to be involved in that space. Uh, and again, help bring people together and build bridges and try to allow people in our very polarized times to find ways to connect with one another. Mm -hmm. All of that has come from that one moment uh, where I felt like I was kind of freed in my own mind. And so for me, that was, uh, I'll always look back at that moment and be thankful for it. Mm -hmm. That is powerful, definitely. And I see you've kind of traveled all over the world and spoken to people all over the world. Uh, what is, what place would you say is a place that kind of holds special place for you? Oh, probably Korea, because that's where I was. And uh, that's where I had that moment. But it's where I fell in love with people um, mm -hmm. that I to this day are, are close friends. And I am um, even this latest book I wrote, it's a true, it's based on a true story. So I got to spend time researching about uh, one of the characters who was in the Korean War is still in Korea and met his family and people connected with his family. And so for me, I'll always cherish uh, Korea in my heart. Mm -hmm. What led to, you said you met them, but what led you to even start initiating the research and everything for this book? Yeah, so, so real quick, um, just a people know what the book is about i'll just give a, a two second blurb it's it's um it's the true story of an american fighter pilot whose plane crashes behind enemy lines during the korean war so he's trapped in north korea Get, mm -hmm. he snaps both of his ankles when he ejects captured by the north korean communists and the chinese communist army mm -hmm. interrogated escapes uh there's an execution order issued that if he's captured he's to be executed on site and then the north korean soldier who captured him Turns out he was a closeted Christian who had mm -hmm. been forced into the North Korean army. Mm -hmm. And instead of executing the American, instead they become friends and they have this dramatic escape back to the South. It's really miraculous. So mm -hmm. I was in the basement of a university library 20 years ago, mm -hmm. and I found a, an out of print, dusty old memoir written by the American man mm -hmm. in that story. And it had been written in the 50s after he got home after the Korean War and had since gone out of print. And I thought for 20 years, I thought I would love to retell this story. I would love to bring it to life 
for a new audience. Mm -hmm. And so thankfully, in the last few years, my publisher agreed with me that this was just an amazing story that needed to be told. And so mm -hmm. we, um, we were able to bring it to life. And both of the men have passed away. Uh, mm -hmm. But amazingly enough, their widows are both still alive and in their mid 90s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and you know feisty and sharp as ever <laughs> that's great and I'm sure that means a lot to them to have their story retold in new fashion and new you know like you said for newer audiences actually it's kind of funny the um the American woman so the, the American man's name is Ward Millar his wife his name her name is Barbara and after I interviewed with her for two days she's 96 years old she just turned 97 she was 96 when I was interviewing her Mm -hmm. uh, I'd, I'd been in her home interviewing her for two days and finally at the end of it she says why would you ever want to tell our story <sighs> which I just thought was so funny <laughs> right like it's, it's so it had a certain charm to it because uh I, her daughter was there who's you know in her late 60s maybe early 70s and she said like mom this is an amazing story people will want to learn about but to Barbara mm -hmm. it's just part of her life she lived it right mm -hmm. yeah definitely I just, I love the idea. My grandfathers were both fought in the Korean War, but they were both both uh, placed in Germany during that time. So I think that's one of the reasons I kind of felt a connection with your book is because of my family history with the Korean War. So yeah. I think and that's- it's often, you know, it's often referred to as the Forgotten War. It was uh, yeah. immediate, immediately on the heels of World War II, directly related to World War II. Most people don't understand that. Mm -hmm. Japan, Japan had colonized and, and tried to conquer the Korean Peninsula. And mm -hmm. after they were defeated in World War II, we kicked them out. Mm -hmm. But the Soviet communists took over the northern half and the United States took over the southern half. We tried to establish a country with free markets and you know democratic principles. The, the Soviets tried to establish a more Russian uh, style of government in the northern half. And after five years, the northern communist armies invaded the south and just tried to take over everything. And that's what led to the war. Mm -hmm. And it's referred to as the Forgotten War because it, it was 1950 to 1953. It, it fizzled out with nothing really being resolved. The north is still mm -hmm. communist. The south is now a free, thriving country. Um, and nobody really won the battle. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, the United States was marching into kind of our modern era. And so uh, too many of the people who served in that war get forgotten. So I was grateful mm -hmm. to be able to tell that story as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like I said, I just, uh, I felt that connection because of that. So what did the um, gentleman from Korea, what was his name? Kim Jae-pil. Kim Jae-pil. So what did his family say when you talked to them? They were excited to share his story. They were a little bit more hesitant to like communicate with me as an American. I think just, mm -hmm. you know, didn't weren't quite sure what my motives were. Um, so I did it through like a like a third person who knew them, but they were they were happy to share with me details of his life and where he had gone during the war and um, you know, his journey and a little bit of his spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. Um and so uh, it was it was nice to be able to get some of that information and some of his backstory. Most people don't know this, but many Korean families were split up during the Korean War. When the North invaded, you had family members on both sides of the line. Mm -hmm. And so like when I lived in Korea, I would meet people who would say, yeah, my brother was in the North when the invasion happened and I just never saw him again. Wow. You know, they were little kids when it happened. And uh, that story 
was repeated again and again and again. And so I got to learn more about Kim J. Pill's family and mm -hmm. who was left in the North and who was in the South and, and who was trying to escape to the South, that, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine going through all that. I mean, even with the stuff we're going through now, um, with even the war in Ukraine and, you know, the constant threats over here, I just can't imagine being separated by war like that with, from family. Can't imagine what that does to them. Yeah. And just, you know, I mean, it's just heartbreaking to, can you imagine if you're a 10 year old boy, you're, you're, you leave with your parents or your, or one of your parents to go on a trip down South and suddenly this war starts because the North invades and you just never see your other parent and siblings again. And that's the story of millions of Korean families. And they've been hoping for reunification now for 70 years, but uh, it has yet to happen. Wow. That's a shame. So transitioning from, you know, your book, um, you said you work in religious freedom. Um, what all kind of stuff does that entail? And do you get involved with the government discussions and all those kind of things? Yeah, so religious freedom is a horribly misunderstood uh, freedom in the United States. Most people mm -hmm. don't even, they have really strong opinions about it without really understanding what it is. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, freedom, the freedom comes from the first two clauses in the First Amendment. You've got mm -hmm. the free exercise clause, which says Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of religion. Mm -hmm. Then you have what's called the establishment clause that says Congress shall pass no law uh, respecting an establishment of religion. And mm -hmm. um, those two clauses together, one protects the, our, our exercise of our religion, you know, how we live out our beliefs. Mm -hmm. And the other one prevents the formation of a state church. So the, the establishment clause provision and establishment clause is a state church mm -hmm. um, or an establishment is a state church. So it's those two freedoms working together Mm -hmm. that make religious freedom and what you end up with if it's working properly is a world where nobody gets to use government to influence anyone else's religious decisions we're all mm -hmm. left we're all left on our own to convert one another to preach to one another to proselytize to one another uh you know by the power of our of the doctrines that we believe mm -hmm. by the power of our teachings by the spirit that people feel when they visit with us Mm -hmm. um, by the way people feel when they come to our places of worship or read our scriptures mm -hmm. and not by using the heavy hand of government. Um, historically, anytime people have tried to use the heavy hand of government to influence other people's religion, it has never worked out well. Mm -hmm. And so we have this regime of religious liberty in the United States uh, that has served us well. Uh, and when it has failed, it has often been disastrous, leading to really, really bad consequences for the people that has failed. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, as a scholar, I, I study it. We try to figure out where the law has been, where it should go, how it should change, where the courts are getting it right or wrong, mm -hmm. um, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Where do you see us in the future with this? It depends. I mean, with the Supreme Court uh, made up as it is right now, I think we'll see very robust protection from the Supreme Court for the free exercise of religion. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that they're going to take as seriously as, uh, protections against the establishment of a state church. I do think they'll take it seriously, mm -hmm. but they won't maybe take it as seriously as some people would like them to. Mm -hmm. And um, 
There's a bigger worry in the United States right now, though. We've got a country where um, more and more people are leaving organized religion. Mm-hmm. And so there's a question of what effect will that have on religious freedom if you have more and more people leaving organized religion? Will that eventually over time erode religious freedom protections? It shouldn't because religious freedom protects people whether they're part of an organized religion or not. It protects atheists and agnostics as much as it does anybody else. And, mm-hmm. and the reality is uh, many of these people leaving religion are not are, are leaving organized religions are not leaving religion. Um, mm-hmm. Many of them are still still consider themselves spiritual or still seeking out religion. They still have to answer all the hard questions that that all of us face in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, where am I from and why? Where am I going? Why am I here? What mm-hmm. is the purpose of life? Is there a God? Those are all questions that don't just go away. Right. So. People are still are still answering those questions, and uh, in the process, hopefully, religious freedom will be protected so that they can do that without government interference. But but this cultural shift we're seeing in the United States has me a little bit worried long term. I feel the same way. I felt that this will be airing later, but we've had um, quite a week in this country when it came to Supreme Court decisions, and everything that's come after that because I don't know about where you're at but we've had a lot of I mean there's been protests all over the place and it's it's been heavy for you know this country and seeing where we're gonna go and everybody on both sides of the key on that yeah for sure I mean these are uh these are no question they're very polarized times and um you know I don't know what the fallout will be of some of these recent decisions we'll see over time yeah we will um, speaking of which, when things are kind of um, crazy or when you um, have had your um, like your revelation and all that kind of stuff, and as you move throughout your life, what verses have kept you anchored? Oh, it's probably changed over time, but there is a there is a verse in Ephesians that talks about people being blown about by every wind of doctrine. Mm hmm and how how the lord has provided teachers and evangelists and you know prophets and others to keep us from being blown about by every wind of doctrine mm-hmm. um, as, as we teach the truth with love that has been uh, a powerful verse for me in in recent years and it has certainly kept me anchored in fact i think the 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 notion of an anchor is very uh ties in very well with that verse because you can picture someone being blown about by every wind of doctrine Mm-hmm. And having some anchor in faith um, can keep that from happening. And mm-hmm. it's, we live in an era, quite frankly, in my opinion, where I think it's very easy to get blown about by every wind of doctrine because there are so many opportunities for all those different winds of doctrine to blow across us. And by that, mm-hmm. I mean on social media with smartphones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can get hit by every philosophical viewpoint there is on an almost hourly basis if we spend a lot of time on our smart devices and on social media mm-hmm. and you see that I think affecting people uh, sometimes in very bad ways and so you do need some kind of an anchor to prevent that from happening mm-hmm. that is really true because the majority of us spend way too much time on socials <laughs> yeah, I think that's right I think that's right <laughs> especially especially children I mean there's research that shows depression, anxiety, and suicidality among, among teenagers, especially this generation of teenagers mm-hmm. has, go, has gone up faster than with any other generation in history. 
-hmm. And almost all of the research connects it back to the use of smartphones and spending too much time on social media. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I can see that. What encouragement would you give um, to my listeners? Uh, I guess I would encourage, so my, one of my the themes you'll see in my writing are people of, um, are first of all, how the, the, the systems and laws that we have in place that work are designed to protect everybody mm-hmm. and protect all of us in our common humanity. Um, this book is about two people who are ostensibly enemies coming together and finding their common bonds and then finding a way to escape together from a, a great evil. Mm-hmm. My previous book, it's called The Immortals. Mm-hmm. And that's the true story of, of five different men in World War II of different faiths and races uh, sacrificing themselves to save, to save hundreds of other men wow. who, are, who are of different faiths and races. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see that theme in my book. I, I would encourage people to stop in these polarized times, look for our common humanity, look for the things that unite us. I think most people will find that if they can stop arguing with other, each other on the internet, stop engaging in bad assumptions about one another and, and have open conversations about what they have in common, they'll probably find that they have far more in common than they realize and that we're not nearly as polarized as I think uh, social media and traditional media are making us think we are. I'm, I think we can be very hopeful right now if we choose to be, quite frankly. I think so too. We just have to trust and see how things go. And like you said, um, go past the arguing because it doesn't do any good. <laughs> yeah, and quite frankly, most of the arguments are um, like ships passing each other in the night. So mm-hmm. in the legal profession and, and in you know rhetoric generally, we talk about what's referred to as like a straw man argument or if you want to, mm-hmm. you know, and it's this idea of somebody makes an argument, you don't respond to that argument. Instead, you recharacterize it into something it's not, and then you attack your characterization of the argument. And your characterization is much easier to attack than the actual position of the person that you're, you're arguing with. That is literally all people do all day long on the internet is they create mm-hmm. straw man arguments and then they attack those. They really need to spend far more time listening to the actual concerns of the people with whom they're dealing and then having a forthright conversation about how can we actually address those concerns. Again, I think we'll find that more often than not, we have a lot more in common with people we perceive as enemies than we realize. Mm -hmm. And then we can have real conversations about what are the legitimate concerns people actually have. Definitely. We look forward to those times. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Where can people find you? Uh, the easiest place to get a hold of me is and to learn more about my books and writing is on uh, stephentcollis.com. So it's Stephen with a V. Mm-hmm. T is in Timothy and then Collis is C-O-L-L-I-S. So stephentcollis.com. Got my books there, various videos, upcoming events, and uh, more on my background and whatnot. All right. I will put that in the show notes. And thank you again for coming on the podcast today. And Thanks for having to- me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I pray that each of you will take something from this episode, that you will be challenged, that you will be encouraged in your walk with God. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review so that other people can find this and other people can 
listen to the stories of God's redemption. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.